Well, good morning, everybody. Um, this is the third Sunday in this season of Lent that we are in as a community of faith. Um, and today I want to talk about one of the most powerful forces in any relationship, and that is ingratitude. In fact, very few things uh, bother us more than when someone is ungrateful for something that we've done. When we've helped somebody, when we've uh, served somebody, when we've worked hard for somebody, when we've gone the extra mile for someone else's benefit, all we want really is a thank you, right? You give your time and your energy, you just want a thank you. You want some acknowledgement. You want recognition. You want and feel like you deserve a little bit of gratitude. And when we don't get it, it hurts. It stings deeply, right? Because if you're not grateful for something I've done, either you didn't notice what I did or you didn't really care. But either way, it hurts. Have you ever felt that way in your job? That you've been working really hard and it just hasn't been noticed or hasn't been acknowledged? Have you felt that way with somebody in your family? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a roommate, right? And you start to ask yourself, do I keep working? Do I keep doing what I'm doing if they're never going to acknowledge it? Why should I keep giving so much of myself if they're not going to be grateful for what I'm doing? Ingratitude is hard on relationships. It's hard on our relationships with other people. And it's really hard on our relationship with God. I want to look at a story today. It's from the life of Jesus. Um, if you're new to the Bible, there's four books about Jesus' life. And sometimes they tell the same stories, uh, but sometimes they tell unique stories. And this one is found in the book of Luke. And it's one of those unique stories that only Luke tells us because he has a unique perspective on what's going on. So here's what it says in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, picture for a second what Israel might have looked like. Up in the north, there was this region called Galilee. That's where Jesus was from. In the south, there was a region called Judea. That's where the city and the capital of Jerusalem was. And in between, there was another region called Samaria. And the people that lived there were called Samaritans. And the Jews in Galilee and the Jews in Judea had a unique distaste for Samaritans. Hundreds of years before, the Assyrian Empire had swept in and conquered the people of Samaria. They were Jewish, and they had brought in all of these foreign peoples to repopulate the area. And when they brought in these foreign peoples, they brought in the foreign gods and these foreign idols, and they intermarried with the remaining Jews who were still there. And this resulting mixed race of people embraced partly Jewish faith and Jewish religion, but also some of these local and, and foreign gods. And so the Jewish people in Galilee and the Jewish people in Judea did not consider Samaritans to be real Jews. In fact, when Jews traveled from Galilee in the north down to Jerusalem in the south, they usually went around Samaria. They didn't want to go through it. They didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. So Jesus is on his way down to Jerusalem. He's near the border of Galilee in the north and Samaria. And it says this next. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, have, Jesus, master, have pity 
on us. So these 10 men uh, approach Jesus and they don't come very close because they have leprosy. If you know much about leprosy, it was uh, this terrible skin disease. It's mostly been cured by modern medicine today, so people are not afflicted by it much anymore. But back then, it was horrible. It was painful. It deformed your skin. It did physical damage to your body. It was thought to be very contagious. And so uh, Jewish culture had all kinds of strict rules about anybody who had Leprosy. You could not live in the village. You couldn't live with your family. You had to quarantine and live away from everyone else. Whenever you came near anyone else, you had to ring bells or you had to shout at them so they would know that you were close so they could keep their distance away from you. You see, leprosy was not just physically debilitating. It was alienating. It was shameful. It was humiliating. And so these 10 men uh, somehow heard that Jesus, this well-known teacher, is traveling through their area, and, uh, and they keep their distance from him like they're supposed to, and they shout to him in order to get his attention, and they say, Jesus, have pity, have mercy, have compassion on us. And then Luke tells us this, when he saw them, he said, go. And show yourselves to the priests. Now, um, this year, our community of faith, if you happen to be new, um, a bunch of people sort of signed up to read through the whole Bible together this year. About a month ago, we read through the book of Leviticus. And if you remember your Leviticus, you kind of know what's going on here. Because you know that when someone had a skin disease like leprosy, they were considered unclean. They had to quarantine. They had to follow all of those strict rules. They had to stay away from everybody else. But if they got better... If their skin started to clear up, they could go to a priest. And the priest was the one in the village or in the area who had the authority to examine their skin, to figure out if they've actually gotten better. And if they had, if they were cured, if they were healed, then the priest could actually say, you've been healed. You're no longer unclean. You you no longer have to, to quarantine from everyone else. You're no longer contagious. You are welcomed back into the community. And so Jesus says, uh, go and show yourselves to the priests. And these guys have to be thinking, why would we do that, Jesus? Did you not like catch what was going on? Do you not see our skin? Do you not see the bandages? Do you not understand why we were, we were shouting at you? We just asked for mercy and you tell us to go see the priests? Why would we travel all the way to the priest? And we don't know how far the priest is. Maybe the priest is in their village. Maybe the priest is a few villages over. But why would we travel all the way to the priest just to be told we're unclean and be rejected again? But apparently, these men believed something about Jesus. Maybe there's just something special about him, and it didn't really make any sense, but they should just do what he said. And so Luke tells us, and as they went, they were cleansed. So somewhere along their journey, we don't know if it was 20 minutes down the road, an hour down the road, two hours down the road, but somewhere along the journey to the priest, their skin began to clear up and they were miraculously healed. And you have to think, This was a defining moment in their lives. We don't know their backstory. We don't know how long they had had leprosy. 
probably for a long time, maybe for many years. And if that was the case, this would have been a defining moment, right? I mean, not just the physical healing. I mean, that was nice, but it was like the transformation of their identities. They had been carrying this disease. It was not only painful, it was a stigma. It was shameful. It was humiliating. It was dehumanizing. I mean, chances are these guys had not hugged another human being in years. And so Jesus suddenly gives them their health back. He gives them their dignity back. He gives them their humanity back. It's like Jesus gave them their lives back. And so Luke tells us, here's what happens next. The moment they were made clean, the ten men glorified God. They ran back to Jesus immediately, and they held a great festival in his honor. Each man spoke words of gratitude for the kindness. That's a word we've been looking at in this series. It's the Greek word, krasos. For the kindness and mercy that Jesus had shown. Each man pledged to follow Jesus for the remainder of his days. You see, that's what it means to be grateful. That's what it means to acknowledge when somebody has done something for you. It's also not what really happened. Here's what Luke actually says. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And by the way, he was a Samaritan. So uh, one of these men, when... He's on the road, he looks down and he sees that his skin is suddenly healed. He's on the way to the priest. He decides he's going to turn around and go back to Jesus. And I don't know if he said something to the other nine at that point or what, but he turns around, he goes back to Jesus, he finds Jesus on the road, or maybe Jesus is in the village now, but he goes and finds Jesus. And when he does, it says he praises in this loud voice. He throws himself down at Jesus' feet and he thanks Jesus for changing his life. And, and I, we don't have all the details, right? Luke is just kind of telling us the main parts of the story. Maybe this man is like dancing. Maybe he's celebrating. Maybe he is sobbing and weeping for what has happened, right? I mean, maybe Jesus himself is getting teary-eyed. Like there's no way that, that Jesus healed all these people and knew the enormous impact it would have in their life. And Jesus doesn't get emotional, right? Right? So maybe Jesus is crying. Maybe Jesus is high-fiving the disciples. Like maybe Jesus is the first one to give this guy a hug. But it had to be this powerful and moving moment. But Luke wants to make sure that we know. By the way, this guy was a Samaritan. He was one of those half-breeds. He was one of those looked down upon pagan worshiping, not really Jewish, dirty, filthy Samaritans. He was one of those people we don't talk to, the people that don't really deserve our time, the people we don't make eye contact with on the corner, the people that we, we travel around their villages so we don't even have to see them. See, Luke wants us to know 
He wants to make sure that we understand this is who Jesus came to help. This is who Jesus came to heal. The people on the margins, the people that nobody else cared about, Jesus came for the unclean, for the unworthy, for the unaccepted, and the unloved. Now, after all the commotion and the thanking and the praising and maybe the hugging, right? Look at what Jesus then says. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? And I, I got to wonder if there's just a little bit of sarcasm. And as well, like, did my power not make it to the other? Like, what happened? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, right? See, he wasn't even, he was seen as a foreigner. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Where are the other nine? Jesus says. Why didn't they come back? Why didn't they say thank you like you did? Now, the point here is not that Jesus really needed affirmation, right? Like Jesus had a bad day yesterday. He got some constructive feedback on something he did, and he's just having confidence and self-esteem issues. And so he needs a little bit more affirmation. Like that's not what's going on here. The question Jesus is really asking is simple. Why are the other nine ungrateful? And we don't really know. I mean, maybe they were grateful in their hearts, but it just never translated into action or words. Maybe they were too focused on all the things that they could maybe do in their lives once they saw they were healed and, and they forgot about the one who had actually healed them. I mean, maybe they had gotten to the point in their lives where they felt like they deserved to be healed. I had been carrying this so long and I've prayed so many prayers. I've been suffering long enough and it's about time that God did something about this. And we don't really know why they were ungrateful. We just know they were. And it stands in stark contrast to the one who did come back and acknowledge what Jesus had done in his life. And I think that should challenge all of us today. Because sometimes we're a whole lot more like the nine than we are like the one. When we don't express gratitude for the people in our lives who have served us, who have helped us, who have supported us, who have invested in us, who have sacrificed for us, who have gone the extra mile. And maybe we tell ourselves, well, I deserve it, right? Or, or that's why I pay them. Or, or I do just as much for her as she does for me. Or, or, or maybe we do have feelings of gratitude, but they never actually translate into actions or words of gratitude. Maybe just in the last few seconds as I've been talking about this, somebody has come to mind in your life that you need to say thank you to. Like the Samaritan, maybe you just need to, to turn around and go back to them and take some time to say thank you for what you've done. Now, there's something else going on in the story because um, Jesus knew what was in people's hearts, right? Right? 
Jesus probably knew how every single one of these guys would respond when he healed them. I mean, think about that for a second. If I'm Jesus, right, if you're Jesus, and I know that I'm about to heal these 10 guys, and it's going to change their lives forever, but nine of them are not even going to acknowledge what I've done. Nine of them are not going to pause to be grateful. Nine of them are just going to keep going and act like nothing actually happened. I mean, if I'm Jesus and I knew that's what the response of nine of these guys would be, I don't think I would have healed them. I think I would have just healed the one. Like I would have just picked him out and I would have healed him and then he would have done his thankfulness thing and then I would have been like, that's how it's done, guys, right? Do you see how somebody can be grateful for their lives being changed? And and then that would be a model to everyone else. See, I think this story raises a question. If Jesus knew that's what their response would be, and I think he probably did, then why does Jesus heal people who are ungrateful? Because healing someone means transforming their life, giving them a new life. But if they're not going to be grateful for that new life, then you have to wonder, did the healing really transform them? Did it really help them? I mean, if they don't acknowledge that Jesus did this for them, if it doesn't produce some level of humility, like some level of of gratitude, some level of transformation, well then why would Jesus heal them to begin with? Why would Jesus show such kindness to someone who is going to be ungrateful? Well, Jesus actually answers that question one day. He's teaching his disciples. There's probably a larger group of people that are there. And he says something extraordinary. You've probably heard this part before. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. See, Jesus is calling his followers to a different kind of love, a different kind of goodness, right? It's easy to love the people who love us back. It's easy to do good for the people who will do good back for us. It's easy to help those who are going to be grateful for our help. But Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to something much greater. And then he repeats it again. He says, love your enemies, do good to them, and you will be children of the Most High. In other words, when you love your enemies, you will be like a child who is doing what their parent does. You will be loving people the way that God, your Father, loves people. And then Jesus says something astounding. He says, you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. You see, the reason that Jesus heals those nine men, the reason that Jesus goes out of his way to help them, to bless them, to change their lives forever, even though they're not going to acknowledge it, even though they're not going to come back and say thank you for it, even though they're not going to be grateful for what he's done, the reason that Jesus does this, the reason that he is so kind is because he's simply showing the love of his Father who is kind 
to the ungrateful. Now, that doesn't fully answer the question, why is Jesus kind to the grateful? I mean, the answer is because God is kind to the grateful and Jesus is just being like God. But of course, that means we have to ask, well, why is God kind to the ungrateful? Let me get really personal for a second. Why is God kind to you? Why is he kind to me when we're ungrateful for it? Why does God continue to give each one of us breath every single morning, knowing that most of us will wake up and not thank him for that breath? Why does God continue to take care of many of us, keep us safe from harm when we don't thank him for it? We're quick to point out when he doesn't keep us safe from harm. We're quick to point out when, when things are not right in the world. We're quick to point out when something bad happens. God, why didn't you do something about that? What about all the other days where something bad doesn't happen? How often do we thank him for those days? Why does God answer so many of our prayers when he knows most of the time we're not going to circle back around? And say, wow, thank you so much, God. That was all you, not me. Or here's a big one. Why does God offer his only son to the world, knowing that many will not be grateful? Many will reject his sacrifice and his life. For those of us who do follow Jesus, why does God continue to offer his grace and his healing, knowing that more often than not, we will be like the nine who never thanked Jesus rather than the one who did? So why is God kind to the ungrateful? Well, Here's a simple answer. Because God's kindness is not dependent on our response. God's kindness is not dependent upon our response, which is so unlike all of us, is it not? Right? We're kind to people who we think are going to appreciate it. We're kind to people if we know it's going to make a difference in their lives. We're kind to people when they are going to be kind back to us. We're kind to people if we think they're going to be grateful. Our kindness is so often dependent upon the response or the results. But that's not how God works. God is kind because it's just who he is. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. It is not dependent on our Response. It's just in his nature to be kind to us. He cannot not be kind. In his actions towards us, in his posture towards us, they will always be shaped by kindness. Now, they're going to be shaped by other things as well, right? Like what is best for us. And sometimes what is best for us is not to be healed. They'll be shaped by other things, like sometimes... He's going to let us experience the consequences of our foolish actions. But even in that, his actions and his posture towards us will always be shaped by kindness. God is just always kind. It's who he is. And it's really humbling. And it's really kind. And so today, 
Let's be like the one Samaritan. What would it look like to just to turn our hearts back to him? To turn our attention back to him? To come back to him and just thank him and praise him for his kindness to each of us. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that you would help us um, to pause from the busyness of our lives. And whatever it is that has distracted us, whatever it is that has taken our focus off of what you're up to, I pray that you would just give us a few moments uh, this morning to just thank you for all that you've done, to be in awe of your love and your kindness towards us, even when we won't, don't deserve it, even when we haven't earned it, even when we're ungrateful for it. Thank you for who you are. Pray this in your name. Amen.